The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman, and joining me today is a massive gang for the anniversary episode of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. How is everyone doing today? Doing fantastic. I noticed you forgot how to do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bitch, man. That's joining us doing. here today is Benjamin Haworth. How are you, Ben? Hi, everybody. Let's move along. Yeah, okay. Right. Andrew and <laughs> returning from, I think, a forever hi- hiatus. You've only been on one episode, <laughs> haven't you, Andrew? That is that is correct, yes. Yeah, okay. I, I've been dead for many years. Yes, months. you have. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. One year later. You were literally, like, we literally had a running yep. gag that we were going to put on an audio drama podcast about how you were murdered by Cthulhu or something. So, this is you know, true, that, that was lost, that was the thing. <laughs> okay. Well, and also joining us here. here. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and joining us here today as well is Jenna. How are you, Jenna? I'm okay. I think I have strep, but I'm still here to uh, join you all. Oh, so. oh yeah. Oh, my right. God. What? You went to emergency. Oh. Yeah. She went to the emergency like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Damn. That's a pure dedication. Yeah. I think I get the little like gold star award thing. Just keep that in That's mind. Exactly. I have lots of gold yes, stars yes. to give. That sounds weird. <laughs> I don't know why I have gold stars. All right, Peter, you're up next. Save me from my own awkwardness. Peter, how are you? I'm pretty good. It's that crunch time for all retail workers before Christmas, and I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's code for you want to, like, not be – we don't want to leave Peter in the back room stalking things if you catch my drift. Probably Anyways, should. moving on to Trevor Flynn. How are you, Trevor? I'm doing good, man. Nice to God, see all you look, guys again. You look so seasonal right now with his just <laughs> beautiful – Knit he cap. Does. He really does. Is those long johns? What is that? It looks have, like, like they're long johns. It's just, it's just a shirt. It's just I don't a believe shirt. It's a very classy I like looking believe, shirt. Very classy. I like to believe up, that there's like an, an like a button flap for you to poop in that shirt. <laughs> That's just what I'm going to continue to believe through this whole cast. Maybe we and should like, turn off you... the video feed now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and joining Trevor all the way from Texas is, of course, everyone's favorite lesbian that says howdy. How are you, Sarah Becker? <laughs> I very well, Jack. I forgot that that used to be my tagline. I'm going to keep bringing it back. I need to bring it back. Yeah, you do. I also love your, what is this? It's very weeboo of you, what, it, what you're wearing right now. The hoodie thing. It's, it's like a onesie, except it's, it's, it's not. It's just like a glorified, very fuzzy hoodie thing. With, it's you know got an owl on the head, and it's got wee ears. That's super Apparently, adorable. I'm the cutest person in the say. world when I play with the ears. doesn't help that you said wee. They have, they have wee ears. <laughs> wee ears. <laughs> it really doesn't. And coming back to us, everyone's favorite lawyer. Uh, we got a contact from uh, Woodford Reserve. They loved Sean being on the last cast, so they're actually going to. Uh, we're advertising. They're going to pay us money to feature Sean Solis, which apparently this is not a tort. I am told. Sean oh my Solis, God, that Woodford Reserve's favorite <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm okay. not. I'm just committing a crime just say, for that's him. Pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you, Sean? I'm phenomenal, man. I've had like a martini. I'm halfway through a scotch, so it's, it's a great night so far. I re- I miss having that just that little bit of drunk Sean spice in every cast. <laughs> it adds something. I swear. All right, that's nine people. This wait, is- wait. I 
Can I say something real quick? Yeah. No. You raise your hand. I passed along my thing and I regret it. <laughs> Everyone else um, had a cool intro. I just want to point out that I've. Yes. Okay, go. Yes, everyone got a nice intro but me. Cool. Um, I just finished editing a drag queen named Lagandra Estranja's music video, Green Christmas. Yes. It's about smoking pot on Christmas, and you should watch it, because I spent the last three weeks making crazy green screen shit for it. I am so excited. Dude, you should just post it up on our blog. It's going to show it to me right after the podcast. Yes, yeah, we'll post it on the blog. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll do a social media push for it. You can ask us. We're, we're, sure. we're all shills for you. That's what happens. <laughs> we're shills for each other, and whoever wants to give us money to uh, advertise on here, we will shill the shit out of you. You have not yet seen Jack Newman begin to sell out. Like Woodford <laughs> Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's who I want to be supporting us. I'm just can saying. we get some free samples? We'll that's what we're going for here, man. Shit. Come on. That's what I'm drinking now. If you don't now. give us a lot of money, we can at least die of alcoholism. All righty, moving yeah. on <laughs> to the trailer corner for this week. I am going to get progressively spitty as we go, but this week we only really had one interesting trailer. We reviewed the majority of the trailers that came out with Rogue One, but this week we wanted to take a look at Dunkirk. What did you guys think of this? Oh uh, first my up, God. Peter, what did you think of Dunkirk? This movie is going to be so tough to get through and depressing. Like, damn. I... Mm. I my interest is peaked and I am ready for another, I'm ready for another movie from from him from Chris from Chris Nolan I'm ready. Yeah, you I'm lost ready faith to see. After Interstellar. Sorry, say that again. He asked if you had lost faith after Interstellar. I actually, um, shocker, have not seen Interstellar yet, so I have no idea what happens. That's why you're excited. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I, I, I missed Interstellar, and so I have no idea. I loved Interstellar. It was very pretty, Interstellar. Interstellar is very pretty, but. But overarchingly, mm, I for one, I for one loved Interstellar. I, I agree so. with Andrew. It's a great movie. Oh my God! Wow, I'm, go. I'm surprised. Yeah. Why didn't we review Interstellar? Oh wait, that's because Andrew I think disappeared. It was way better than the film <laughs> well, he made before that. Because it came out in that's 2015. True. All right, all right, all right, all right. Facts, facts. <laughs> facts. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> Anyways, they don't matter here. I am, I am, I am excited as well to see him go back to this kind of well, and especially seeing movies like Atonement. And these kind of beach scenes and the kind of the kind of style of like cinematography that you go on, and I'm interested to see kind of like Nolan's take on this on this super depressing thing. Um, I'm wondering about this because this this is also kind of my the general complaint about Christopher Nolan is that generally it's thought that he's kind of a, a robot that doesn't experience human emotions <laughs> sometimes. So one of the questions is, is can he handle? And this is what's like uh, some people's like again maybe you liked Interstellar. But some people think that he does really good thrillers and other such stuff like that, but doesn't necessarily cope with the emotional impact of certain things. And whether, and I'm wondering if people think that he might stumble here on Dunkirk. Andrew, your thoughts? Oh boy! All right, spotlight's on me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's, you know, that's sort of been said that you know Nolan's kind of this cold, sterile filmmaker who's more interested in spectacle and giving you this huge, you know world hmm. um i don't know um i'm gonna go into this one positive i'm gonna go in optimistic um i'm excited to see what he does with the material the trailer didn't blow me away but um i think i think he's gonna i think he's gonna turn out a pretty solid film here so uh, yeah. i'm gonna go in optimistic yeah, i mean i think well, this is gonna be pretty I, good well i think it's just so interesting that um only Christopher Nolan could make a horribly depressing looking $200 million war film that releases in July yeah. with like yeah. a bunch of summer movies and Transformers and yeah. you know like <laughs> this feels like a $50 million Hacksaw Ridge Oscar bait sort of movie but only Christopher Nolan gets like 
all the money to shoot on 65 millimeter and crash ancient planes for yeah. authenticity and just do <laughs> crazy stuff. And I love blank checks that people get. Uh, and only a director like Nolan could make a so $200 few. million dollar what what yeah, excites me so kind of about um, hold on Sean what's that oh no I was just gonna say like what what really excites me about this movie is you know this is a huge deal in British history right like over three hundred thousand yeah. like folks were evacuated from you know from mainland Europe oh yeah and it's like a really celebrated event in like British kind of World War Two history so it'll be kind of exciting and it's it's perfect for Nolan because it actually does end in this weirdly dark positive yeah I mean it was like the evacuation was so close had it not happened like the Brits probably would have lost uh, World War II right like they would have lost pretty much the the only army they had so it's it's a huge thing and it's kind of cool that we've got like a British director finally deciding to do it and I think someone who's as talented as Nolan is going to be I think he'll do it. He'll do it right, and you know the fact that they've got a lot of funding for it is good too. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it is. I, I'm, I agree with Andrew. I'm kind of going into it uh, optimistic. So I'm probably just glad that the only images of Dunkirk won't just be an atonement. Now that's kind of my uh, big thing to take away from <laughs> yeah. this. Fair. Um, and and that's the thing is I actually that like scene is so good in Dunkirk. That one shot. That it's so gorgeous. Atonement. And it was an accident mostly because they just ran out of film. <laughs> yeah. Well, they ran out of time. Well, yeah. time <laughs> film. <laughs> Artistic license, whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I like the book for Atonement. I do not like the film a little bit. Um, the book but is moving phenomenal. On, that's uh, enough for today's... Yeah, okay, okay. We're, we, can all, we, we only have so much time to disagree with one another here, guys. And I want to control the body of it to go on to this week's film, Rogue One, um, which is probably one of our most anticipated films of the year, which is kind of... Star Wars is uh, increasingly going to become our anniversary episode because our first episode okay. from the Tuscan Shed Media Network was The Force Awakens. And uh, that was actually... I realized that we were terrible at getting shows out on time back then, so it was actually came out uh, January 2nd, <laughs> which is a little bit embarrassing. I mean, we also started kind of late. Yeah, we did. At least in terms of, like, like from when, when, when Force Awakens was releasing, when we finally started this whole journey. So there's yeah. that, too. Yeah, and I don't think we had any idea that this, you know, the Tuscan Shed Media Network was going to become as prolific as it's turned out to be. Yeah, it wasn't even called that at this time. Yeah, just like, we're just a... like, let's, re- let's, you know, let's all get together and talk about a movie and, you know, we'll record it as a podcast and see what happens. My personal yeah. theory is Those that the Jack's of our damn podcast. Oh, oh, Trevor, what were you saying? My, my personal theory is that your need to, uh, to cope with Star Wars The Force Awakens is what birthed the podcast in the first place. But. <laughs> well, I have, wanted to be heard. I have slightly less of a need to cope with Rogue One, but we're going to get to that in a second. Here's the synopsis for Rogue One. In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together on a mission to steal the plans to the Death Star, the Empire's ultimate weapon of destruction. This key event in the Star Wars timeline brings together ordinary people who chose to do extraordinary things and in doing so become part of something greater than themselves. All right. First up. So I loved... Sean. Oh, go go ahead, Jenna. My little smart-ass comment over here was that normally we don't have the the video on still at this point, so I liked looking at Sean's face as Jack's reading in a, you know, wonderfully dramatic announcer voice, and Sean just fucking (laughs) finishes his drink. That's all that happened. It was wonderful. (laughs) Are you waterfalling to my synopsis? Yes, he definitely did. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
that happen. should be a yeah. new thing. Like every, I'm gonna just read a bunch of synopsis for like every movie on our like Christmas cast, and you have to waterfall <laughs> through all. Of them. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes, it's gonna be. You know, stay tuned for more drinking on the Tuscan Shed Media Network. Um, but more to the point, Sean, what did you feel about Rogue One? So I think the way I would describe this is I thought the first two acts of Rogue One were really weak, and then it had an awesome final act. And there was a whole lot of potential for this movie, and I don't think the the writers really kind of achieved what they really set out to do. They did a really good job tying, um, you know, the third episode to the fourth episode, and they kind of filled in that space really well. But I don't think they developed the characters enough to actually make me care enough about them. Um, so, like, when all the shit's going down at the end, I'm like, I don't really know who these people are, right? Like, there, there weren't, I didn't have any emotional attachment to the characters. And I think that really made uh, it really made it a weaker film, and I think that was really the fault of the writers, because they could have really written the characters a lot better to make me, you know, actually care about what was going on in their lives. But uh, but in terms of the positives, I thought they did a great job of kind of tying the the episodes together, and you know, the the, the there's a lot of kind of fan stuff there, fan service there at the end with Darth Vader just like fucking destroying shit and killing all the fucking rebels, and I'm like, yeah, I can I can roll with that. It's kind of cool. But overall, I mean, like it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was a good, like, kind of fanfic feel. But it could have been, it could have been a really great movie, and I don't think, I don't think it achieved what it set out to do. Yeah. So first off, yeah, just in that mind. line, talking about real quick from our listener Rob Doss, uh, what were all of their names? Seriously, what was it? Just me, or was it super hard to keep track of everyone's name in this movie? Quote. It was. That's. I think that's one of the things yeah. that we keep popping up is that uh, as yeah. an ensemble cast, like there's no Avengers style setup. It's just hard to assume that we're going to have a standalone movie with a cast of like six plus people, if you include the android. Well, there is such a movie, and I wish that people would rip it off more. Both Suicide Squad and this missed their opportunity, and it's a film called The Dirty Dozen. Correct. <laughs> which is a phenomenal film which follows a bunch of terrible criminals who uh, train for a suicide mission in World War II. And I guess that's the part for me that's the biggest problem of Rogue One, is that I'd rather it was more, instead of a hastily assembled team, it was more... People who wanted to go on a mission, who were training together, who were sort of a team, we get to know them. Because yeah. I think the deaths of everybody and the finale is amazing. I mean, I look at something like Ben Mendelsohn's character's death, and we knew who he was, and we knew how slimy he was, and how un uh, capable he was of arising the ranks, and how perfect it was. Tarkin just blows him away with his own weapon. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's such a perfect ending. And I feel like there was a lot of great finale but there wasn't as much great setup and that was definitely my big problem build up fill the characters looking at that specifically i have to admit just getting a shout out to i forget what his uh the main guy's uh character name was in this movie because i actually do have a hard time keeping uh, track and, of and, and, andor, andor? Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah i keep so, wanting to call him cardassian but i know yeah. that's not correct but, okay but yes the issue, the issue yes. i'm trying yes. to point yes. out not is hold on hold on hold on not going there <laughs> uh we are not losing control different cast so the whole point that we're going to go here is i just wanted to say real fast that that opening sequence where he is setting up and is just he's just it just perfectly encapsulates him. And I think for me, this is one thing that I wanted to get across about Rogue One is sometimes getting everything you want is not a, what you wanted in the first place. And I think that's what I feel about Rogue One is like, what have I wanted for the last twenty years, and what has the Star Wars fan base wanted for the last twenty years? We wanted a story not focused on the Jedi that went deeper, darker into kind of the rebellion and went back to the same timeline. We got this movie, but I don't know necessarily how I feel about it. 
in those first opening moments when we're introduced to his character and he ends up just shooting a guy who's ostensibly on his side just so he can get away easier and doesn't give like uh, the stormtroopers intelligence is just shows like the darkness of his character which is really good setup but then we don't get similar setups for kind of the other characters we never really get a reveal setup for Jen Urso we're supposed to kind of be just take it on hand that she's this I don't know, like this doesn't play by the rules to rebellion for the rebellion <laughs> kind of girl. And we don't really get that kind of player set up for her, which I really love yeah. of the guy's character. I really love that setup. I really love how dark he is. And I really believe that he's like, he would fucking fucking murder anyone. And I don't really buy his exchange halfway through where he's like, ah, oh, I just can't murder this girl's father because, you know, reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, a bigger issue. But, Ben, you disagree with you. I can tell. I'm in agree and I disagree. I mean, I guess what my, my big thing with this is I find both this and Force Awakens very um, messy and problematic in a lot of ways. What I think Force Awakens did really well was have a better pace throughout, even though it was too fast for me still, um, more memorable characters. But... For me, this one had such a good final act and such memorable imagery, which is a big thing I really mm-hmm. liked in yeah. Force Awakens. Yeah. And that's where I put this one above, because I'm going to remember shots in this movie. I don't remember many shots from TFA. No, it's a fair point. Almost all of them that were memorable were from Hope, New Hope. Yeah. Which I was actually, I had forgotten that you weren't on our Force Awakens cast, Ben. That kind of upset me, because I actually pulled up I'm, the numbers. I'm kind of glad, because I would have said, like, seven or eight now i'm a six you know yeah i know but i want to I say remind mind. everyone that i yeah. was a six at the time and i like hold on to that as You're my great like look at me <laughs> i hold on to my eight for the record yeah <laughs> i want to i want to I, I mean the person thing i actually i want to know if peter holds on to his nine for force awakens yeah you gave a force awakens a nine out of ten. Oh, that's right yeah i i, I we, we never addressed this um <laughs> probably gonna bring it down to eight i i i it's not I, bad I that's yeah, not I'll bad. I mean, I think that's fine. I think that's def- definitely within the realm of what we thought at the time and definitely how people felt about it. People really got emotionally. I think that's the thing is that there's not as much emotional impact to this movie. And I think that's the thing for me is like it all works and it's all things that I've always wanted out of a Star Wars movie. But then it just doesn't quite coalesce for me at the end. No. And there's moments that I get behind, but then I'm kind of like, oh, why are they going like, why are we having this extended thing with the top of the things? And then you have great moments, like Ben said, where, you know, like the moth like just fucking kills him with his own Death Star. It's so it's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Right. And then even and even I enjoyed the end. And there's like little moments in there where you could tell they got the screenwriting really set up, like where they don't have the two characters at the end kiss. And I really enjoyed I that. I was it's really just afraid like, that was going to happen. I did too. I was like, like, I was like oh, don't make them kiss. Don't make them kiss. <laughs> don't do it. I was like, don't please do it. Don't, don't do, do, it. do that. And I was, and then they just share like a nice little hug, and it's like a moment of humanity, which is more important to their yeah. characterization, exactly. Um, than as opposed mm-hmm. to that. So yeah. like, but I was also like, they're going down the elevator, and there's like that, like that light that coming through the elevator. That one shot where yeah. like they look into each other's eyes, and you're just like, don't, do no, it. don't do it. Don't. Like, like there hasn't been build up for this. I don't think I've ever heard such a unanimous vote of non-shipping. For two characters. (laughs) It's like, just don't kiss, don't do it. And I I, I agree 100%. I'm just glad you guys agree. It just would not have made sense to the plot of the film to have like the a romance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not that I don't ship those characters. Mm-hmm. They're fine together. I just think if you don't have the buildup, don't force it to happen. Right. Exactly. Dude just exactly. got shot. He doesn't want to kiss that girl. <laughs> He's like, right. The last thing he wants to do is kiss her. But that's an. Go ahead, Ben. But that ending is another example to me of why I'm 
frustrated with this movie because it makes sense for their characters. They're both people who are lost and trying to find their way, and one thought he found his way through the rebellion, but he had to do things he hated and felt mm-hmm. like he wasn't really heroic, and she avoided conflict her life. And so it should have been a really nice moment of, like, we're opening up, we're not, we don't love each other, but let's hold each other as we succeeded in our life goals, in a sense, or find a purpose and got to something better. But I just didn't care enough about no. these characters, and I was just mad and it wasn't more sad. Yeah, exactly. I want to step I mean, in I, here and take the counterpoint, if, if I might. Just, um, like, I, I can see where y'all are coming from, that some of the character writing and development isn't there, especially in the beginning when the plot is at the fore and the plot is confusing and hinged upon the fact of you recognizing these one-syllable names that are kind of confusing. However, um, I thought that the characterization was good enough and that I, I mean, I had more of a, an emotional connection to the characters in this film than I did any characters in Force Awakens. I, I really thought that, you know, as little time as we spend with them, we still get to see them work together enough and constantly risk their lives and their lives are more real as characters than I think a lot of the like icons are in uh, I mean, Force Awakens I, by comparison that you know I disagree because Han Solo shows up on screen because and that, yeah. I mean that's my thing is like Han Solo has so much built in stuff like it's really hard but see that's the problem with that movie it, it trades so much on your familiarity with those characters mm-hmm. and it just sort of throws you back into it and it just sort of counts on you you know, knowing everything about them and doesn't really tell you anything new about those characters. I, I this this movie had a, a tough road because well, these I, characters have been, except for a handful of them, have never been depicted before in the Star Wars universe. So you have to introduce all of these new characters and give them a backstory and make them interesting and relatable and then kill them off at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's you know that's that's tricky. Yeah. And, Anyways, I'll, I'll go into that later. But yeah, it's, yeah, and I think a, I think we will get to that challenge. just for a bit. But I do think I do think coming back around to Sean on the far side, I do think you are not wrong though, and that like there and between Trevor and this, I do think there there is a core issue in terms of dealing with these characters. In terms of like we are you're gonna we're gonna have a large cast that dies off at the end of this movie, and that's fine. There's enough time to build up those characters, but it does feel like we're losing some connective tissue and moments that really need to be there for things and really need to help to kind of build those moments at the end i like that they don't linger on the moments though they don't linger on the deaths like people just die and that happens yeah like everyone doesn't have to have a super like you know it's you know the dude at the end like i don't know the jedi's friend god i really am lost for the names of this guy's like i'm not even i'm not even it's not even a bit anymore it's like i'm lost i don't know what these people's names are like You're talking about the blind know, guy or the guy no, with the, the cannon blind guy's bad. friend right yeah, the yeah, yeah, the guy with oh, like the um, chain gun. Yeah, he, 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 had, he, had, a, he had a weird why name. Why every stormtrooper it, it, it was like it was doesn't like have a chain gun doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, no, yeah, like, no, yeah, the, the character you're talking about, um, he was he was played, played by Donnie Yen. I think his name was like Chirrut or something. Chirrut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no one cares. Like, no one cares. You, yeah, I care I enough. Or something like that. Yeah, Chirrut. That's so bad. So I have to I have to share a little bit here. This is stupid. Malbus. Bayes, all right, all right, chill it, chill it. Uh, Sean, you had a point. No, I'm just like I just this, this movie just like it just frustrates me so much because um, like they, they did have like an overall like good story, but the writing like the writing for the characters was just not good. Like what makes the Force Awakens a, a superior movie is that whoever wrote the script for that is just way better than whoever wrote the script for this movie. Oh, like, disagree entirely. Disagree entirely. No, no, no. But yeah. so, hear, hear me out on this. So what yeah. what makes like the Force Awakens better is that if you actually like what gets you 
ha having emotional connections with the characters is there's like a lot of humor that's like kind of interspersed throughout that movie. And here there's it's just it's really like kind of flat the entire time. Like there's What about no, Alan Tudyk as a as a That's robot? K2. He was the best part of this. <laughs> movie. Well, he was the best character. Oh, yeah. Man. I disagree. I disagree. K2 Sasso. I was not think I mean, I think he was great. I Jack, do we disagree because of Kotor? Yeah, of course we do. Because it could have been so much better. <laughs> Who's Kotor? Yeah, HK, man. HK. If Kotor still haven't finished that game, I'm so sorry. It's been a month since I since I touched it. And and, they, and I love how they just ripped off the whole concept for that droid. Like you know oh, they did. Now. It was just a rip off of something that they knew was popular in Star Wars lore. Clearly they're playing because um, Kylo Ren's we're, mask we're looks like, just like Malak. Uh, yeah, it does. Sarah, we're talking about um, an old Star Wars game called Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah. See, I don't play these Which things is anymore. So. It's, still... it's the storyline that's not related to the Skywalkers that most people, I feel like, want to see. Or at least I hear the most in the internet. You all know that 10 years from now, that's going to be a movie. They're going <laughs> to oh, run absolutely. out of things. Oh, and well, no, shit. they're going to do, Let's and they're going to shit all the over the Republic. canon and get rid of it. So, <laughs> yeah. And they're going to come back with something else, and that's just going to be what happens. Which is kind of what I, I do, I am a little bit upset about, because, you know, what do we have next on the agenda? We have Star Wars episode, uh, what is it? Uh, fuck. I, eight. 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 God. Oh my eight. God. I keep and calling the Force Han Awakens Solo. eight, and I know that's incorrect. And then what? Nine, amazing. and then Boba Fett standalone because toys no, are no, a thing. Han no, Solo Han Solo. Origin story, and then, then nine, then maybe a Boba Fett movie, but that got canceled. So what? I think what proves my point about the characters in the Force Awakens thing better is like we actually remember their names, right? Whereas here. Like I, I literally watched this movie today and I can't fucking tell you their names. Like I just oh, like, can't fucking. I, I'm gonna, I'm I mean, not gonna I, lie. I, mean, I, I, I really do. I okay, like hold on, everyone, I, I, hold on, chill, 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 chill. Everyone, hold on, two seconds. I'm sorry. We're gonna go by this one, one at a time. First thing, Jen, I will agree entirely that Daisy Ridley is a better actress and comes through and I think just displays herself as a character better than the person that played Jen or so in this movie. That said, um, coming back to you, Peter. I, I want oh. to spe I want to actually speak to that point. Um, like, like now, now, now that I have something that I can connect it to, um, with 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 uh, like between 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 Jen and like and Force Awakens, for me, like as much as I enjoyed her character, I felt more. I felt like she was like even though she was kind of touted as the main character, she was more. She was more of just a catalyst of of shit happening around her because of her father. Like yeah. besides that, it's like but like besides mm -hmm. that. There yep. wasn't much reason for her to be there. Like, like she, like she even, like, I think they've made a point of that in their film. If her dad wasn't involved, they would need her. They'd figure this out on their own. Yeah, and she I literally. See where you're like, coming from? How much majority, more of a character is Luke Skywalker really? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna argue that at all. I'm not gonna argue that at all. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just right. saying, like, like. Like, like, like even like, even though they both were more or less catalysts because of, because because of their parent because of their parentage, she has more people acting around her to kind of drown her out than Luke than than Luke did yeah. where he where he where he just had Chewie, Han, and Leia and that was about it. Jin has an ensemble cast. She has Ander, she has Krennic, she has mm, Chirut, yeah, Galen, K two. Like she has a lot more people to work against for her to be like, I'm important in this film for reasons one, two, three, A, B, C. The distinction of the characters also is just that a lot of them are kind of one note scene stealers and they steal a lot of scenes like, you know, the like, you know, both Donnie Yen's character and, um, you know, 
backpack blaster guy um, is just they kind of have interactions. But Donnie Yen is like, oh, like, He's you know, what's, his, what's the biggest laugh of the film is like Donnie Yen going, seriously, I'm blind. Yes. <laughs> like, that's, that was like, great. You know, can we confirm they have that like was good the moments laugh. and they're interacting characters and they really like have their, they have like these moments and it's interesting and they have byplay and interesting. And that's the thing is it seems to be sucking the energy out of her character. Can I speak to that, like to Peter's ahead, point Jenna. and kind of with that as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I really like that you brought it up, Peter, because what it, one thing that's really bothered me is everyone keeps saying how, like, after The Force Awakens and then this one, it's this, like, feminine or feminist, like, resurgence of Star Wars. You know, we have these really strong right. female characters. But I think, Peter, that you just addressed it really well in that she she didn't come across, like, so obviously my political leanings have come, in out, come out before, but I'm, I consider myself very feminist, and I didn't feel like she was a feminist character at all. Like Just because she looks like a badass does not make her a feminist. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, exactly. Are you saying well, she was or There's also something you guys should be aware of, is there, there's been a brutal uh, the New York Times, I think, came out with a piece panning this movie, saying specifically that it was almost anti-feminism to an extent, which I think is a little bit uh, reaching and they they said specifically that it attempts to be feministic with her and then fails miserably because she doesn't have enough agency like exactly. no because the writing just sucked that's what happened <laughs> I mean I don't think it was anti-feminist no. necessarily yeah. exactly. at all exactly. I, just, I think I, I, I think the New York Times piece was, is too far yeah like I, I think she was you know just another character like you know as Peter was comparing her to Luke Skywalker a little while ago it's just the way the characters are treated like Luke Skywalker is treated much more as the protagonist and main character of his story. Jin, while a, you know, fine character is just a character in the overarching story where we happen to get more of her backstory than anyone else, but she's not treated necessarily as the protagonist. Well, her character has a change, and I'll say that much for it, but it, it, it's kind of, her character has two stages. It's, I don't want to be involved in this, and I accept the hero's journey, and I'm totally willing to give my life for it. And then they have that scene, which I think is one of the stronger <laughs> scenes in the movie. But isn't rejection of the hero's where... journey inherently part of the hero's journey, Trevor? Yeah, that's true. All of them, yeah, true. they were all, they they were all like archetypal fucking things, right? Like, and they didn't even explain the, 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 what made what was the change in like her character. from because she, she goes I disagree. Th- I don't. I, it, I don't know. It was. It was seeing her dad's hologram. Uh, yeah, I would. I would argue. Yeah. And see, this is my thing about. Well, yeah, that's when she gets on board. Is when she sees the. Hologram. Go ahead, Ben. And this is my thing about um, Felicity Jones. I think she was cast with the wrong scenes, because I think every scene where she has to do with her father, which is what I think they got her for, mm-hmm. uh, was great. I yeah. think any sort of emotional scene with her father is great. I love Felicity Jones. She did a great job and theory of everything and the monster calls and uh she's a great dramatic actress but when she has to be basically snake plissken kurt russell like i'm a badass <laughs> i don't give a shit i don't buy her at all yeah which is why they cu- that's which is why they cut out that i rebel line yeah the whole like I rebel. <laughs> everyone yeah, saw it like, line was like oh yeah that's why they cut because you roll the things not to mention like really her worked. whole like her only like moment where they define her as an action hero it just kind of comes out of nowhere where she's like i'm going to save the cat or in this case the war-torn child like mm. that's that mm-hmm. happens. Like that shit. was such a save the cat moment. Yeah, I know. I had to say <laughs> it. It's, it's only because it's such a painful yeah. screenwriting point. Because it's not. They, it's literally like here's a thing. She's a good guy. You know. You're like, oh god, oh, guys. You can. You want to explain save the cat real quick? Yeah. So save the cat is just a. It's a screenwriting theory. Specifically, it's also a series of 
books where they talk about um, different these yeah. sort of things. But specifically, uh, Save the Cat is where it's like a moment where we define the hero by showing them that uh, they kind of like, let's say a hero comes along and saves a cat out of a tree. It shows them that they're like the good guy and it defines them. It's just like a kind of a screenwriting beat. It's like a quick, lazy way to say good guy. Good guy, guy yeah. And it's yeah. exactly what they're doing. It's like, oh, small orphan child. She's the only one that takes the time to save them. And that's exactly what that is. Well, and it's painful. what it was. Yep. Yeah. Like, I could see Tony Gilroy being like, who did all the reshoots and some of the rewrites was like, you need to save the cat moment for Jen Erso. Yeah, because, yeah. like, well, I think that's the thing is because I think a lot of the other characters have a deep characterization moment that we're missing from her. Well, what uh, about, uh, okay, I'll be the apologist. I'll argue that she sees herself in, that, in a child caught in conflict, and, and that's what makes the change for her. Well, no, I think that's the thing. It's just we still don't identify. I think that's the point is that we're supposed to. I think the thing is my bit is that it's just bland in middle of the road. Like either make her an antihero or make her a hero. Like don't have her just be a person. People are boring. Heroes and bastards are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, 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 and especially when they were reading off, like, like, all, like, all of her crimes against the Empire while she was even locked up. It's like, why didn't you then, like, like legitimately use any of that stuff to, like, make her badass? Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We just don't like, know. why don't we, we have, don't why don't we open with this her, right? film? Like, there's too many question marks. You know, you kind of hear a little bit about what happened after she had, you know, after she had kind of escaped getting killed as a child. But we don't, we miss all of that, like, in-between period. And then we kind of pick up with her again, where she's like a prisoner, and there's just there's no there's not enough character development. Is is, is what it is, plain and simple. Yeah. Do you think Disney got scared that they were drawing too close to, perhaps it feeling like uh like, them feeling like Iraqis in a Middle East war zone where the stormtroopers are Americans? <laughs> did I anyone? Did, they could I be. They may not want to gone full Battlestar Galactica. I, well, I just I just had that interesting moment where they were blowing stuff up, and I was like, I mean, yes, it is terrorism, and these are supposed to be, like, the dirty, dirty rebels, and I definitely got that thing, so I think Disney was trying to play a very close game here, and I think they succeeded, because I don't, I haven't seen a lot of think pieces about it, and I don't, you know, and, uh, like, if I had a, even associated that with my dad, who I saw this at the theaters with, I feel like he would have become a little bit upset about the idea of that, but I don't think audiences took that away so i feel like disney do it did it really successful do you think but do you think that they maybe took the venom out of the cobra a little bit to ride that line i don't think they even considered that i mean it's <laughs> i don't i don't think i don't no, i don't really don't think their goal was to like project was to like project a modern conflict no no no, no. i don't think it was their goal i think it's the unintended consequence mm. and then after the fact they're like oh we need to reel this the fuck back do you mean just in terms of Saw Gerrera, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character representing character, extremism? That's what or? I heard from my friend. Go ahead, Ben. What were you saying? I couldn't hear you. Sorry, I just know I have an inside friend, and I asked him about the reshoots, and he said it was all character stuff that they. Yeah. Disney was really worried that the characters weren't fleshed out, and they tried their best. Well, that so and they reshot that. the entire ending. Yeah, Jen lived in the original. Yeah. Oh. That's the thing. A lot that would have sucked. Forget. Like, <laughs> I actually, and that's I actually like didn't that's that. the that's something super important to discuss in this movie. Like this movie, in some ways, is kind of a miracle that it works as well as it does in my opinion because they changed a lot the the whole the whole third act was completely reshot they re-edited basically they uh, they basically fired the director and they're not talking about that but everybody the word on the street in la is that they straight up fired him and they hired tony and dan gilroy to basically rewrite the third act and reshoot the third act and then re-edit everything that Edwards had done before that. Wow. Or Evans. Edwards, so. yeah. 
Edwards, you're right. Ed- yeah, that's why I've been seeing much of him on the. Yeah, which is why he's been doing like no press. For, why the director's been doing like little to no press at all for the movie because they basically just fired him and hired wow. the Gilroys to basically. Re- yeah, I mean, well, he's clearly incompetent. Thirty percent of the movie and recut it. <laughs> I mean, he fucked up the the part so, that they didn't fucking cut was shit. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Jesus, Sean. Saying it plain. Such vitriol. Uh, I, mean, I love it. Oh like god. It. I think I don't think I don't think it's 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 that bad. I think I think that what Andrew's points is like usually like the things that we get out of movies with these sort of recuts and recasting is usually a much greater mess than what we got out of this. The fact that it works at all well, is, is, is Andrew's is right. It is a miracle. Um, but maybe sure. what we're feeling and what we're calling back to this thing is that like you know I, I always bring up Back to the Future as like my example of the tightest script on the face of the fucking earth. It's a masterpiece. Uh, the Mona Lisa does not approach the script of the Back to the Future. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that I think I do agree with you. I don't think it's terrible screenwriting. I don't agree with what you're saying specifically, Sean. But I do think that there is like a lot of moments in this movie that aren't tight. Like everything doesn't quite seem to work. And I think that's there's nothing wrong that i would point to i mean there's a lot of things wrong but there's nothing wrong that i would point to specifically in the structure or what they're trying to do with this movie i just feel like it needed a little bit longer in the think tank before they like let it out of the pen right no and that's what Mm -hmm. i'm that's basically the point i'm trying to drive at is that when you when you have such a kind of i don't know it's such a messy kind of final product the fact that you didn't have that period where you know you cleaned it up is just very frustrating to me right because it's like it could have been a really awesome movie like the, the final act was so good and if I had like more emotional connection with the characters like it would have been honestly one of my favorite movies of the year but the fact that it flubbed it so bad is just I'm just like so mad I'm like it could have been so good come on <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. I mean I, 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 go ahead Sarah well just I I really really agree like the first two thirds of this movie it was kind of bored honestly maybe that's not quite the right way to say it i just didn't really care about any of the characters i didn't have an attachment but the third act like as you know the the death star was blowing up the planet and you know cassian and jen were standing there just like embracing each other it was like oh shit they're they're actually gonna kill these people these characters are actually sacrificing themselves and it was it was just really well written and well executed like i'm i'm really it it interests me that so many of us agree that the first two thirds were okay and then the last third was just phenomenal i guess or or, or better anyway i don't i'm not on board saying that like i mean the only only problem i have at the beginning of it is that it's a little confusing as far as the different cut you know we we just get the shot onto the pilot and you're like who's that guy he kind of looks like the other is that a different person like who's that like five different too fast in the first 10 minutes yeah Yeah. and then we just have the names and the politics to keep track of and it's a little much at first but i didn't have a problem with the second act i didn't have a problem with like i really love the scene where um The, the captain uh, confronts her on the ship. It's like, I've been in this fight all my life. You just suddenly think that you're going to come in and be like the protagonist, basically. <laughs> like, I like that a lot, yeah, actually. I just, I just need more of those scenes. You yeah. know, I miss the scene in New Hope where we're all just waiting around to get to our destination. So let's have some nice character moments, yeah. some nice world building moments. Just take slower pace this is the thing about these movies it's like it's like blam, 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 over and i never feel like a 
a lull. It just feels like music that just keeps crescendoing well, over and over again. the first act for sure moved way too, in my opinion, it moved way too fast. It introduced right. too many mm-hmm. characters too quickly and everyone just sort of gets lost in the mix there yeah, a little they... bit. But I think over the course of the film, they sort of, at least the main characters, I'm not saying that everybody on the mission was fleshed yeah. out, but, you know... Cassian and Jane and like they all got their moments they all had those conversations where we got to you know peek behind the curtain a little bit and see how they you know what's going on there so I I don't know I I think for the most part it was pretty consistent throughout as far as character development was concerned Ben brought up music Um, hold on hold on go ahead ahead. Um, I just want to go ahead and move us along just so that we stay within kind of time periods but I wanted to uh, Ben what were you going to say about music real fast sorry Trevor I didn't mean to cut you off there I was just comparing. The music the, was actually the, the next thing like on my uh, casting. Up and down, up and down. Ben, what was that? Oh, sorry. Ben, what uh, was that? I was just saying that like the pace just keeps going and going and going and never slows down. It's like a crescendo after crescendo after crescendo, you know. I mean, my my thing is that I had a I had issues. Katie actually commented that she liked the music of this as opposed to the other Star Wars, and I have to say that I, I liked entirely it disagree. I remember the music. The effect that I wanted I, to speak I, to that I thought, Sarah, you might um, have noticed as well, is that they started a lot of the themes from the original movies and didn't finish them. And use that yes. hanging tension a lot in the film, which usually bothers me a lot because it leaves you wanting the final mm-hmm. note of the, the theme that you recognize. But I actually thought they used it to great effect in the movie to drive that tension. And I, I disagree as well that there was a frenetic pace. I thought they did take... I mean, I get like the sitting around thing, but you know, they had the obligatory sort of Maz Eisley walking through the crowded streets thing. You know, again, before there was a confrontation. Well, but. correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but I think the way you were speaking about Crescendo wasn't necessarily speaking to the music directly. Weren't you talking about the, no. the acting and the scene itself? Yeah, it just meant more the pace. Yeah. It just yeah. right, right. I just it, wanted. To... It's like you just the horns get louder and louder as the mood mm-hmm. mood goes on. You just eventually you're just like tired. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I just thought that was a good parallel. That's just sort of a, a symptom of modern filmmaking. True. Modern action filmmaking mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. I uh, they all sort of exhibit that. Pattern. I don't know. I, I I think the music in this film was good. I think what quote unquote bothered me, which is you know not anybody's fault necessarily, but. I could tell that it wasn't John Williams. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, fair enough, you know, John Williams, God bless him, is, you know, getting older and, you know, maybe needs to pass the torch, and that's fine, but I noticed. And, like, you know, the the themes were present, but as you said before, Trevor, they, you know, were unfinished. And um, I was speaking uh, with someone on the cast earlier about this, that... um, I think The Force Awakens had more memorable themes. Um, I, I I don't know. It was just... Like, I remember the music from for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the music from Rogue One. Yeah. Which can be a fine thing. Like, if the music supports the scene, like, that's all well and good. It just doesn't have, like, a, we're using this theme for this character now. Which is fine, because the characters all die in the end anyway, I guess. But it's just, it, it wasn't as memorable to me. I'll put it that way. I think for me, why the, why, I think for me, like, like a reason, to kind of speak to that, the reason why, and also, like, John Williams, like, the reason why the music wasn't necessarily memorable to me is because, is, is because, like, I, 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 as Trevor brought up, they start off, like, like a, like a piece, they start off a theme from, like, like, like from, like, Star Wars, Star Wars stuff that you know, but he doesn't finish. I think it's because, I have heard John Williams Star Wars so much that it kind of 
blocks out the new stuff mm -hmm. the, the new stuff that i watched like like only a couple of days ago like at least for me that's the reason like i, I do like i did enjoy it it's just that i know john williams music more it's an attempt to redefine something that is so inherent to our understanding of the thing we are watching that we can't help but hate it and love it and i think that's the thing is like i just like and i've seen multiple people say i love it i've seen multiple people say i hate it and i think that that it really depends on not necessarily on how you feel the thing but there's a cultural impact to playing with this thing and i know that they actually cut the original soundtrack to this movie which was very different than the classic themes and they went in and they star trekified it fired the original composer Irving yeah he left he he left this whole production was a mess yeah <laughs> well he left citing creative differences he wasn't i'm not sure how much yeah. more fired he was i know the director was just like fire fired like it was mm -hmm. like bad why well, the michael michael G. yeah michael he, he he did the score in a month oh wow yeah. Like he did it. He did it in like twenty-seven days. He scored the whole movie in twenty-seven days. That's how much time. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm saying. I, I think he, he hit some of the good themes very very well, but then at the at like there's moments where I feel like the music and the cast just like like loses it. Like it just falls apart a little bit. One of my that, favorite moments in the film was a Darth Vader moment. I think where he shows up in full regalia mm -hmm. and the, the the Imperial March starts playing and I was just grinning from ear to ear with what happens like, yeah. And he was so sassy. Sassy Darth Vader. Yes. <laughs> don't choke. Did anyone else I don't like notice like how about. his how cheap his suit looked yeah, because they tried to take it, it as original? It looked so shitty <laughs> and like with like high definition cameras and stuff. I was like, ah, you guys went original, didn't you? Oh yeah. Speaking of going <laughs> yes, original, all did. the cameos like the music especially since we're on that the drum roll up to Governor Tarkin turning around like he's still alive that was mm. the that was the reveal there how did they I mean that was I didn't actually it didn't bother me and when Carrie Fisher showed up at the end it didn't actually bother me either so like, here's the big question face? is I've seen people complain about the digital composite characters that come in there personally I'm I'm much more inclined to like the gold one red ones like when they had it in like red five gets destroyed in the those battle were awesome. that those cracked were me dope. up so much those were, we're making our yeah. attack run now by the way I had a fanboy in my theater who literally at every single fucking easter egg <laughs> <laughs> like, Jimmy Smith, he's applauding. He's standing up and applauding. Dude, I love Jimmy Smith's back. You'd understand how happy I was to space Jimmy Smith's back. So funny. No, I like, know, but no joke. But this guy is like hook, line, and sinker. They got him. Yeah, on he's like every... the guy that got his arm cut off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he added a lot of flavor. It made it felt. It felt. I loved it. It's nice to have I that person it. in the theater because you're never gonna miss a single fucking Easter egg. No, <laughs> like, right. just like no way. You're like, you what is it? <laughs> Because even and if in you my do, you feel like an idiot. Like, even what? in North remember. Carolina, with like predominantly like I don't know like a unnerdy what I would consider an unnerdy theater. Um, <laughs> that it's, I heard you, Peter. I know that sounds bad. <laughs> so, so yes, it was predominantly black. I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Wow. First off, I did not interpret it as that. I just interpreted okay, it as non-nerdy. But it thank Durham, you for pointing that out. It's Durham, North Carolina. It's Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> Everyone, like, I'm sorry. I love it. I'm the only white person in that theater, but. <laughs> Everyone, I was just like, I don't consider it to be like a culturally like that far, but it was just, it's shocking to me that everyone in there was getting more references than I was. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so sorry. But that, that, that aside, we've talked about this. Well, one thing I wanted to we ask talked about this um, Andrew before. is what's up. Um, he's the big camera nerd among us. And yeah. I was wondering what he thought of the RE 65. 
All right, yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about the visuals. I, for one, I think this is the best-looking Star Wars movie since Empire. Agreed. Um, the, the visuals... Say, say what you will about his direction, but... Yeah. The dude knows how to frame a shot and make it look massive. Just mm-hmm. make the cool. world look absolutely massive. Uh, uh, um, I'm, I just, I, I'm just going to say... I'm just going to say counterpoint here. I agree with you. The camera quality and what he's doing and the individual shots, but the flow from shot to shot, it doesn't feel cohesive. There's issues with it and it's just a sure. different it's okay, just a sure. different mix. And I'm going to agree with you because Star Wars is a weird fucking thing because Star Wars literally has a pretty distinct visual style that for better or worse mm-hmm. is through all the Star Wars. And I agree, Empire is the best. But but at the same time, it is distinctly a style that continues on into all of them, and I never have a complaint about Star Wars movies and their specific style. This one, for better or worse, again is is interrupting that. And, oh, I'm at the prequels visually are terrible. Well, okay, <laughs> that's that's that has to do with CG and everything. It's like yeah, it's, I, I I don't know. Like I feel like if well, you actually put a camera in front of George shot. Lucas, he could probably you know find his way around things. But <laughs> you know, I, I'm not no, saying that. Like they still got reverse shot now. It was, it was, it was very schizophrenic, I think, is the best word, the best way to describe, like, the way the shots kind of, like, I think you're right, Andrew, in that, like, the individual shots were really well done, and they're very pretty, but you were just, I don't know, there were just too many cuts from, like, shot to shot, and especially, like, in the beginning, like, kind of hopping around from, from world to world, that it, it just, it didn't feel, yeah, it didn't feel very cohesive to me, at least. I would I would argue Well, that... I think, I think he was trying, he was trying to bring a new style. Yeah. Because... I think this is the first this is the first Star Wars movie to use handheld cinematography. All the other maybe there was some in The Force Awakens. But oh, Jack's not I, a fan. I, Shocker. Part, it, it's, it's almost like I did a first, thesis first against this. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I Andrew. Know, I, I thought it it gave I thought it gave it brought a new and I don't get me wrong when handheld camera work is like the Bourne movies I shit on it too <laughs> no I know I know but it's not I know, it I wasn't thought, bad it was not bad wasn't it wasn't bad. there there was yeah. nothing wrong with it I just think that distinctly there I, I don't think that it, it's not bad like the prequels you're right are all over the place it's crazy they lose basic like I don't know like basic filmmaking procedural qualities <laughs> like the prequels do things yeah. that you just can't believe happen um, especially in terms of like film direction and all that things, but in terms of the original three, I probably disagree that this film is better shot than A New Hope. I would say it's better shot than Return of the Jedi. At the very least. I'm good with that. Yeah, cool. Would, Agreed. I'd say it's better shot than the Force Meeting Awakens Break. Well. <laughs> good, good talk, team. Good, good talk. Good guys. All right, I just want to move on. Just we're gonna go ahead and uh, pull out and go ahead and do the uh, scores for this week. We're gonna start up with first on my list. We're just gonna you're gonna get a couple few seconds to justify where you're gonna put this movie. But Ben, uh, what do you score out of ten? Rogue One. All right, I think I'm going to give it a uh, 6.5. For reference, I'd probably give Force Awakens a 6, so just a little bit better. Like I said, the third act is really, really solid. Um, Just some of the best action, I think, in Star Wars in recent memory. I actually really enjoyed a lot of the cameos, weirdly, um, because I think they were more tying in. There was just one or two that were really dumb, but uh, for the most part, they were pretty interesting, and I was happy to see kind of the bridging the gap of the prequels even though i clearly hate them i mm-hmm. like not pretending they don't exist and i feel like tfa was so afraid to take risks that it felt very bland and safe and this didn't feel as safe to me even if it didn't feel 
great. So I can appreciate that, and I can appreciate its visual splendor and the things I'll remember for it, but I can't deny it is problematic, so I'll say 6.5. That makes sense. I'm up next, and I'm going to say exactly the same thing. Problematic things. I gave The Force Awakens a 6, and I, you know, and you can actually go back and check it because I list all the uh, scores on the Podbean. You can go check out each of our individual scores for that. And I can even look right here and tell you what everyone on the cast scored it last time, except Ben, because I didn't check him um, because we didn't get everyone. But uh, yeah, that was a six, eight, nine, five, and an eight from the last cast. That's me. I gave it a uh, Force Awakens a six. Bobby gave it an eight. Peter gave it a nine. I think he's going to take that back down to an eight, depending on what we had to cast. And then uh, <laughs> yep. Trevor gave it a five out of ten because Trevor is a brutal motherfucker. Um, and uh, honest, Sarah gave it an eight. Honest yeah, Okay, well there we go. So I would say I would say this is this is better than the Force Awakens for me. I definitely enjoyed it more. Um, it's just not quite there in terms of being something that. Uh, I really want to rewatch very much. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I agree with them. I think the quality of the camera is more what I think, and the quality of the visuals and the style of visual is why I think it's so beautiful. Uh, but I don't necessarily put that up to camera work, which is my disagreement with Andrew. But I do agree it is the most beautiful Star Wars movie. But that has to do with technological advancements and not necessarily. (laughs) Okay, well, okay. (laughs) All right. Save me, Trevor. The carbonite lighting, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trevor, what did you give it? So I'll be up front with y'all. At uh, going into the cast, I was going to score this a 10 out of 10. Wow. Um, This was everything I wanted from a Star Wars movie. I should probably uh, say I'm biased up front. You're fucking with me, right? No, I'm I'm serious. Wow. Um, really? Well, I well, let me finish. I'll say this. that okay. uh, After listening and talking about the character development, I'm going to lower it to a nine, just out of respect for uh, y'all's analysis. And, uh, Whoa. You know, uh, Thank you. I didn't get any of that from you. Wow. No one has ever given a Very 10. Very nice. Can I, I did. I, I gave a 10 once. I knew, I mean, yeah. So this isn't entirely <laughs> unprecedented. But anyway. I'm gonna he give gave it, it the same thing as fucking, what is it? Uh like my dinner with Andre, Jesus, Trevor. Let me let me justify. Let me justify. I'm gonna admit my bias up front for one. Um, that uh, you know, apart from watching the original trilogy when I was a kid and getting into the Star Wars universe that way, one of my biggest things was the Rogue Squadron uh, video game series. It was the first uh, N64 game I had. You know, when I got an N64, was uh, Rogue Squadron. And uh, this movie just kind of capitalized on that experience for me and was more nostalgic for me than <laughs> episode seven, really. Aww. I felt like a kid in the theater. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick to a nine out of ten. Jesus, I did not realize this affected you so much. <laughs> I'm really glad you told us that, Trevor. May, may yeah. I just um, say? Well, oh, I, said, I said I was biased for that reason. I, I, I just want to say also real quick that I also really liked the, uh, the message of the film. And then I thought, um, I don't know, just... Apart from maybe not having enough character development, feeling the the gravity and and the deaths of the characters that we did get to know for as brief a time as we did, uh, really illustrated the message of what it's like to give your life for a cause. And I appreciated this movie just for that very simple message. And I thought it told that message and that story very well. So, nine out of ten. Jesus. Okay. Cool. Nice. Oh shit. Sorry, I want to argue with you some more. We're going to have a talk about this. No, I'm just, I don't know. I got to I gotta unpack that. All right, but first up, Jenna, what, what do you give this movie? I wish you hadn't made me go next because now I just sound like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Everyone's going to sound like an asshole. Well, I am that beautiful. Okay, Sean, I've been calling you an asshole since the beginning. All right, Jenna, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a five. 
I I think it's a beautiful film, like, visually. Um, But I I had a hard time. Like, I didn't feel I related to the characters. I I got really bored in the movie. And, like, I'm someone who I love Star Wars. And Trevor, like you, like, I watched them when I was a kid. My sister and I, like, watched them. And I love Star Wars. But this this film was really boring to me. Um, And I, I was just super disappointed because, like, I really do like that they have more female leads and things like that. But it just kind of, like, broke my heart in that way. And, again, boring. Um, (laughs) With that being said, it's not, like, the worst movie I saw. But I don't intend on seeing it again for a long time because there's there's no need for me. Like, I just didn't didn't feel connected to it at all. Wow. Oh, one more thing. Sorry. Um, About the message. Like, Trevor, it was really interesting to hear you say that you, um, like, you felt like it was like they were dying for a cause when like I'm I'm someone who's like super big into like yes if you're passionate about something like you do anything for it but I really didn't get the sense that they were dying for their cause either and I think a lot of that's really just that I didn't feel connected to the um to the characters but I didn't feel like a lot of passion emanating from them which is like what you should feel when they're so like connected to this rebellion and things like that but okay now I'm finished (laughs) okay cool brutality continues that was that was a i i will remember not to put jenna after trevor trevor after jenna <laughs> um next up peter i still love you trevor <laughs> I know, <it's> <laughs> peter well, okay well before i get my score i just want to i just want to say it has been interesting seeing the like over the, over the past year and especially the past past few months like the movies that Trevor has scored highly on that we were not expecting yes. as high a score to a score from him. I, I just, I just want to make that card. small comment. Like yes. Trevor, you are a very en- enigmatic man and you continue to surprise me. I love you. <laughs> anyway. Trevor, 10 out of 10 from Peter as a person. <laughs> ba- yeah, basically 10 out of 10 with the gold, with the gold 10 out of 10 with the gold star, on the, on, the gold star on the corner of the, the page. Oh my god, we're going back to the fucking gold stars. Jesus. <laughs> hey, Damn, I was a teacher, Sean. Star. I need the gold Tr- stars. Sean okay. never gets a gold star. That's why he's upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I will score. Sean, get, you'll get Some the of us need validation. <laughs> <laughs> we are millennials, after all. Alright, Peter, go. Please end my misery. Uh, no, you must suffer. Um, I... <laughs> I will give this movie. Uh, I was gonna give it an eight point five, but I'm gonna have to bring it down to a seven point five after talking about like the character develop character development or lack thereof for a lot, for a lot of it. I mean, I mean, like I, I definitely was I definitely was going to say as much for Jen uh, for for the, for the comment I made earlier with how even though in like even in the in the trailers and commercials she was touted as the main character, but even though you know like she was quote unquote the main focus she was more of just a catalyst for stuff happening rather than the reason they're doing shit. Um, but I, I, but I still enjoyed it. I, I like, I, I like even like granted he did in 27 days. So that's amazing. I, I, I like, I liked the interpretation that Michael Giacchino had on star Wars themes. I do. I do agree that I do agree. Like what, like whether it, whether it's like how they shot it or, or if it was technological advancements, whichever one you want to argue, definitely a beautiful movie. Definitely enjoyed the third act. I, enjoyed the ca- I, I, I enjoyed i enjoyed the cameos that, that, that we got either like as character characters or like as a character moments like scenes or like just like they just pop up and they're gone um as, you know especially princess leia at, at the very end like where, where like where she like where like li- like literally the, the last 
like the last line of the film is hope and it's like oh i wonder what this is going to lead into <laughs> dot 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 um <laughs> but yeah uh, but yeah, yeah i i enjoyed it um 7.5 for me got it all right next up we have andrew all right um I'm going to give this movie an 8.5. Um, obviously, I'm going to bring in a little bit of my knowledge into how messy the production was and how much they had to sort of sort of play around with it in editing and in reshoots. Um, and I think considering what I've heard about how problematic the first cut of the film was, I think it's pretty remarkable that, you know, Dan Gilroy and Tony Gilroy have able uh, were able to put together this film with basically an entire movie already shot and in the can and were able to take Edwards, you know, the work that he did and then improve upon it. So I'm I'm going to give the film an 8.5. I really enjoyed this movie. I I'd say my enjoyment was pretty consistent throughout. If Empire is a perfect 10, if it's a perfect movie, and New Hope's a yep, 9, I agree with that. then I'm going to give this one an 8.5. I think it, it holds up um, compared to the other films. I think it's a great entry into the Star Wars canon. And yeah, I really enjoyed this film. I I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, I, I'm someone who's, you know, dabbled a little bit in writing. And it is really tricky to accomplish effective character development because you have to work that in to the dialogue and that is really tricky trying to make characters feel real you know make them feel like real people entirely through what they say to other people so i don't really think character development was a major problem yeah i, I wish maybe we had learned a little bit more about Jin, but i think seeing her interact with cassian i think sort of filled in some of those blanks for me so i'm, I'm going to give this film an 8.5 i really enjoyed it i think they did a great job with it Andrew, the eternal apologist. It's okay. We know. <laughs> no, that, yeah. I think that's totally fair. It's because this is the movie Andrew wants you, to make you, a big, giant, yeah. depressing. These are the kind of movies I wish I got blank checks to. Yes. Make. <laughs> <laughs> and then got fired and had somebody else put it together after yeah. the fact. <laughs> you get fired real fast. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would try to have too much character development that'd be like. No, no. Where's our Where's our X wings? Yeah. You, bitch? Hey, you, you, you would You would make a better here. movie, Andrew, if you actually put more character development in it, because you would have actual character development instead of no character development. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, it's, I'm gonna turn this around real fast. Sean, you're up next. God damn it. Um, well, I mean, I feel like there's not much more I can say. I mean, I agree with Andrew that if we're if we're rating all the movies, like yeah, I would give Empire a ten. I'd give A New Hope a nine. I've got to give this like a like a six point five. I think I agree with with Ben. Um, you know, it it's not as good as it's definitely not as good as The Force Awakens. It's maybe on par with like Revenge of the Sith. Um, the story just wasn't it just it just wasn't well packaged, right? Like I I really judge movies based on the writing, and if it's if it's well written, hey, that's great. You know, I can I can follow the story. I can have a good time. I can have a good experience in the movie theater, and. This just wasn't a cohesive story, right? Like I didn't, I didn't feel any attachment to the characters, even though the, the third act was really great, and I actually like had an emotional impact that really, actually, it really, it was kind of kind of productive because I'm, it made me frustrated about how good the movie could have been, but it didn't really achieve like what kind of what it set out to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good, you know, it was alright. I had a good time. I'll probably watch it again, um, but just the fact that it, that it could have been so much better. Um, is kind of a bummer for me. So yeah, 6.5. And last but certainly not least, howdy ho, 
Sarah, it's you. <laughs> I, uh, I'm also going to give this movie a 6.5. Jack, I don't know that we've ever agreed on a film score before. <laughs> yeah, me, Jack, and Sarah agreed. But That's weird. Is... It took a year, but we got there. Yeah. I'm at, I am that actually is now afraid to be entirely of the <laughs> But, um... Yeah, I uh, I entirely agree with all of the points that you, Ben, and Sean have made. I, I really wanted more character development. To be honest, I missed the <clears throat> the sort of scrolling storyline, the scrolling backstory at the beginning. Yeah. I feel like that would have cleared up a lot of points for me. I, like, I, I actually I kind of missed it, backstory. too. Yeah. I didn't expect to, to but mm-hmm. I thought, oh, of course they're going right. to do it. They're going to do it. They have to do it. And then it wasn't there. Right. I was like, they didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> right. I knew I mean, they weren't going to do it, it and I immediately weird. was like, oh, I wish they. I wish I knew it was happening. Yeah, because I remember, like, for me, like, I, I part, I part of me was appreciative at the beginning, like when they didn't, because because I, I was like, okay, like this, like this isn't part, like this isn't like episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. But then halfway through, like totally agree with you, Sarah. I was like, wait, what am I saying? This is still Star Wars. I need scrolling text. Can I? Exactly. Here's another. Here's another uh, issue too. Is that a lot of times movies nowadays will have like an opening sequence before they flash the title, and I think that might be yeah. one of the weirder things is the way they just flash the title, nothing, and then throw you into it. Especially yeah. since that opening sequence is really seems to be built to be played before the title to get you going. Like Jin's in the thing, and then it's flashed a title, and then Jin's older. Like it definitely seems to have a built-in moment for the title to come later, and then they just play it weirdly up. Front because it's a Star Wars movie, and I feel like it's a little bit it's a little bit jarring to me. A little yeah, bit. I feel like there needs to be point. like a little like pause moment between when Jen's a young girl in that hole and when she's in prison. That's exactly. I really I, wish I, I they had that done. Yeah, I wish they had done. You know, maybe even the opening sequence with Jen as a child first, then done the scrolling backstory of what happened in the last ten to fifteen years, and then show Jen like as an adult. I that that would have made more sense to me i might have you know attached to her character i think that would have been more. even more jarring i don't know anyway trevor, continuing, trevor is looking very smug continuing <laughs> with my score analysis so much somehow let, let, let sarah talk it God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> thank you sean um um I, uh, I thought the visuals were were really nice. I um, I know a lot of people will disagree with me on this, but I thought the the animation of Peter Cushing was really quite good. Now, oh, part yeah. of that might have been <laughs> to... Um, it's the only thing I didn't yeah. like. I don't know. Part of it might have been in the, the particular theater where I saw it. For the first two-thirds of the movie, I really wanted them to just like turn the brightness up on the screen. And apparently that was like just specific to my theater like i've spoken to other people about this and they they disagree entirely but like i found it really difficult to see so maybe that affected the you know visibility of the fact that it was very clearly cgi and not done well i don't know oh, to I me have to, it looked really good i have to say one thing too to andrew and ben's point i actually cannot pass judgment on how well this movie was shot because I have to put this out there. I've seen this movie twice, but the first time was affected because I went with my parents and they're old people and we went to an IMAX showing and they wanted to sit in the first two rows. Um, ah. which oh was pretty much the worst thing <laughs> I've done in, in forever. And they That's were just terrible. so happy about it. 
and I and I just I just neck. couldn't believe <laughs> and like literally like half like 25 minutes in I just got up and left my family and went back and like hopped oh in the back of the theater <laughs> like family time was not as important as me having a proper viewing of Rogue One <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't more important I threw like I threw like a little bitch fit in the theater it was great <laughs> Katie was there she was like I mean I know but like we're gonna sit with your parents and she's like and I was like nope Nope, you can sit with my parents, babe. <laughs> and she's like, "Well, I can't pick sides." And I was like, "I sympathize." Ugh. You're not wrong. I sympathize with you, Jack. I'm the guy who walks out of a movie if I miss the first thirty seconds. Of oh, it. I know. I totally agree. And I was just like, I was like trying to judge like how like the screening and like especially when they do close-ups on people's face. I'm like, man, that's a big dimple. <laughs> the screen's like wider than my eyes, like my narrow, my my per, like my vision. I was off to the side. It was it was awful. All right, but anyways, I can't pass judgment upon that. That's everything. Uh, so overarchingly, the Movie Gang podcast gives Rogue One a 7 out of 10 as always I tend to enjoy our cast score more than I enjoy my own score so <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's pretty good I think that's pretty good you know what's going to happen though yeah. right is Bobby's going to see Mad Max is going to see this and then get mad that we all like Mad Max for your oh it's more. obviously better it's not I even a, it's not even a fucking debate. Yeah, I see. Sean, I will agree with you on that. Mad Max Fury Road is a vastly superior. <laughs> have you, have you guys actually did, who I, actually I listened Bobby to the agree. cast where me and Bobby argued for like an hour about Mad Max? It's it's, it's, it's one Max of the most painful experiences <laughs> of my life. I don't care like I love Bobby. I love her a lot, but Jesus H titty fucking christ like there's no winning <laughs> there is no winning with that woman about that movie and she hates it it's like she yep. just she i don't have any i don't have enough hate in my heart reserved for anything as much as she hates that fucking movie <laughs> like i like it's just it just doesn't even make any sense <laughs> i wish i had Okay. All right. So before we're going to close out the cast this week, uh, we're not going to have a bet this week because we're going to be moving on into the holiday season. Uh, Come the new year, we'll be revealing who won the bets for these years. So it's actually all over now. Um, And I'll be counting up the bet winner, and that will be revealed in the new year. But for the last bet winner, it's we uh, did scores from last week. We were looking at what would the Rotten Tomato score for Rogue One be. And up to now, what was it, 84% Ben? Yeah, 84%. 84%. That means of everyone that vetted, uh, Ben gave it a 91%. Sarah gave it a 75%. Jenna gave it an 87%. I gave it an 80%. Son of a fucking bitch, I was close. Um, I should have said 85%. Bobby gave it a 73%. Trevor gave it a 90%. And Peter gave it a 78%. That, of course, means that Jenna won the bet. But in lieu, uh, we're going to have Jenna let her do her outro real fast. But before that, I need to pitch off just to a couple of new things. This is, of course, the Movie Gang podcast and the Tuscan Shed Media Network's anniversary episode. And I want to just say to everyone that has followed us over the course of our first year, a big thank you from all of us. You have stayed with us. Uh, we love you, Rob Doss. No, I'm kidding. There are other people that listen to this podcast. We really appreciate all that you've done. And do everybody love you, that's Rob, us things. Was not kidding about that. No, no, I do love you, Rob, but, but we love other people too, you know. And <laughs> we I have think lots that of love pe- to give. 
people need to stay tuned in to the coming year. We're going to be doing a lot of new pushes and a lot of new podcasts. This is, of course, Tus- if you head on over to TuscanShed.com, you can check out the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can check out all our affiliated podcasts, including A Feast for Bros, our Game of Thrones podcast, Geek Space Nine, our, uh, ben, where that's where Ben, Sarah, and Peter head on over and listen and uh, do a rewatch series of Geek Space. Uh, well, I keep calling it. I literally <laughs> call the show Geek Space Nine now. And it's Deep Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you guys do that, that on air? I bet you do. I mean, not um, on air, but like in conversation, talking to people. I have made that mistake a couple of times, not going to lie. <laughs> You can also head on over and check out me, Ben, and Peter's video game show, Save Point Gamecast. You can check it out. Uh, we just recently went over Final Fantasy XV and uh, your shooter holiday picks for the year. We'll have more content coming out soon. And if you're more of a uh, weeboo anime otaku, you can go listen to me, Trevor, and uh, Sarah. Go check out Animania. That's our anime podcast where we just recently review. We're going to end up reviewing Izetta, and Sarah's going to freak out about gay baiting in anime it's amazing um i'm really looking forward to that sarah i mean is it gay baiting yeah they, do they i don't know do they or don't they I, I honestly as i said to you last night i i wasn't emotionally prepared for the kind of ending that happened yeah i mean apparently more porn of them popped up overnight than exists of like harry potter and draco malfoy so it's pretty impressive um, we'll have to get to that. <laughs> I, love, I love how you have the stats on that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I keep track of that for the internet. That's that's my job. Oh my that's my job when I'm not doing this. I'd tell you how Jack much Draco S. Harry. Or if you're ready, it's uh, Snary. Snary porn. That's Draco and Snape. Or no, yeah, Snape and... So it's... Uh, Drary is Draco X. And Harry. Him. And Snape is... Snary is Snape X. Harry. You're killing okay, me. Cool. Oh my god! <laughs> This has I love been. how Jack wants us to not go off the rails, but then that happens. <laughs> no, of course. That's my job. I, I I put this shit together. I can get upset about it, and I can go off the rails if I want. God damn it. That's the world we live in. Oof, boy. For the Movie Gang Podcast. Is this is a dictatorship, not a podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love all of you guys. Uh, for the Movie Gang Podcast, this has been Ben Haworth. Hi. Oh my Bye. gosh. Don't to let you and talk. Andrew Rieger, <laughs> Jenna Daggett, Peter Dancy, Trevor Flynn, Sarah Becker, and Sean Solis. You all lost your outros because Ben's. Oh, Ben. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you were doing. I you Everyone Jenna. shut the fuck up and let's let Jenna Daggett have her duly won bet from the week. Jenna, so take hopefully it away. there's still people around to listen to my like medicine induced <laughs> brilliance. Um, because clearly that's all it will be. And I could not decide on a topic. I, being the like political junkie I am, the electoral college was very tempting, but I stepped away. Um, I think what I'm going to bitch about is that I feel like we need to stop with the numbingly endless sequels um, in like Hollywood. Um, so yesterday, like I love watching trailers before movies. And we, of course, um, the new Fast and Furious trailer came up before Rogue One when I saw it yesterday. And, and then after, um, <laughs> oh, I love that you guys have kept your videos on. Like, it makes this so much more enjoyable. Um, but afterwards, all I could think between Star Wars and then Fast and Furious is that it's so unoriginal now. Like, it's the same damn thing over and over and over. And I'm, I'm incredibly tired of it like 
And this is a really brief step backwards, but I like one of my favorite films of the whole year was Arrival, and that's because that was like original thought, and that was something brand new that I could witness. Um, but I'm tired. I'm just I'm very tired of the endless sequels. And this is coming from someone who loves sequels, like Harry Potter, my jam as a child. I grew up Star Wars, love Star Wars, but I'm getting tired of the same thing. Um, I'm gonna close there because I don't feel well and my throat is killing me. But you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah, fuck Fast and Furious. <laughs> no! Oh this is the last word, Sean! This God damn it, Sean! Oh. I'm just reinforcing oh. your point. I'm, I'm, I, got, oh I got you, Jenna. I got God. your back. Thank you, Sean. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for those. They can make as many as they fucking want. I do not say. subject for the next podcast. Thank you and good night. Fast and Furious 20, baby. Sorry. Movie getting out. Fast in Tarkin CG, and I'll still be there. All right, everyone stop here.